0: Welcome back, everybody. I'm having fun uh, uh pre-chatting with Michael Judson Berry, who is awesome and I'm really enjoying his quarantine time, which we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, and uh, Moira Rose and, and the gang. So please welcome to the program, Michael.
1: Ah, oh, well, hello you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Sorry.
0: I am no, this is perfect. I am I am doing my best to stop myself from uh, doing a terrible imitation because yours is an actual one. So <laughs> I will try, I will try my hardest not to do it. But uh, yours <laughs> yours is great. Uh, and uh, I was, uh, you know, in doing my kind of uh, prep for it, I was watching, I'm, I'm a subscriber, everybody, you should subscribe to uh, Quarantine Time right below Thank this video. Uh, and I was watching it and then my daughter heard it. Uh, she didn't see it, she heard it's it like somewhere. I said yes it is yes it is uh, <laughs> and then she saw it and she's like oh my god uh because i remember when we were all um uh the audience is probably saying to themselves alan stop talking let the guests talk <laughs> but, sorry um when, my show, when i show my did, talk <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah it's coffee talk i'll give you a topic yeah um yeah. When, when I discovered uh, uh, Schitt's Creek for myself, I was actually the first one in the family that did that. And then I told my daughter about it. My daughter is a uh, 16 and a half year old. Um, I discovered it pretty much uh, kind of as it came to Netflix. So uh, it's uh, I think like after season one, uh, they, they put it out and I've seen it uh, all throughout. So. I did it before kind of the bandwagon uh, or before the band or the wagon. So <laughs> I loved this show from almost the very beginning uh, once it made its way uh, from Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, my daughter and I couldn't stop watching it. My daughter, uh, I was so kind of into David's timing that mm-hmm. I, I had to stop myself in normal life because I wanted to sound like David. And I had the mannerisms down and I enjoyed every moment of it. And my mm-hmm. daughter couldn't stop being Moira, and she was walking around saying Alexis and Davey <laughs> and all of that stuff. So it's you mm-hmm. watching watching you uh, brought out a lot of very happy memories.
1: Oh, good. Oh, believe me, same. All of those personalities—they're so infectious. And actually, Alexis was the first one I ever did, and I swear, mm-hmm. like, I yeah, I for an audition for the film Milkwater. I think that we're going to chat about. Um, okay. Yeah, I basically did an Alexis impression for that audition. And I swear, after spending two weeks kind of being like, hi, God, like it sticks. And I think like with Moira, especially now, since I've been doing this parody of her for a little over a year, mm-hmm. and my natural speech pattern is kind of similar to that crazy one that she made up. I just got lucky, I guess. Um, but now I'll be hanging out with friends or with my family. I'll just be like, "Well, that's ridiculous." And they're like, "Michael, you're slipping into it now without even realizing it." I'm like, "Well, what do we all doing to die? Like, it's terrible. It's oh, contagious. It's so contagious. Yeah. It's
0: not terrible. It's awesome.
1: Just
0: uh, It's it's really really good. By the way, uh, I kind of I haven't watched the whole 128 episodes or whatever it is at the Something right time
1: like that. Yeah. Uh,
0: I haven't watched all of it, and I watched about 15 uh, so far. I will watch all of it. But uh, I've watched some of the earlier ones and the later ones. Your David is getting much, much uh, uh, closer. So uh,
1: thank you. I was really nervous because I did Moira and I felt comfortable with her and Alexis, but David and Johnny, I still think I'm still working on. It's hard because my roommate who actually got me into Schitt's Creek in the first place is David like I live with real life David except if he was like (laughs) a kind of like cool hipstery film guy from Jersey City but like a lot of the same mannerisms and attitude and um so it's I'm so used to like Jonathan my roommate being kind of the David and me being like the Moira of the house so yeah when I do David I basically just pretend to be Jonathan being horrified (laughs) whenever I ask a stupid question (laughs) it it
0: works it works Um,
1: slowly but surely getting there (laughs)
0: <laughs> and and all of the people who are watching this who uh, who love Shit's Great just as we do uh how many times did you uh, cry uh, kind of in the last uh not not just the last episode the last couple of episodes yeah. I, I think it was i was averaging 3 to 4 per episode uh, oh, i don't know how you were
1: i was a mess and then i was just sad <laughs> like i put yeah. off watching the last season for a while because i just you know sometimes when you watch the end even if yeah. you go back and watch the series again, you know that it's over and you know how it ends. Um, so yeah, I, I actually hadn't watched it in quite some time when the last season came out. So I went back to the beginning for the first time in a while and just sort of coast, you know, watched it start to finish and oof. Yeah, there was a lot of really ugly crying. Actually more the second to last episode than the actual yeah. last one. It was so, it was so beautifully done. Like what, I give them so much credit. What a beautiful way to sort of wrap up that story. Mm-hmm.
0: No, it's uh, it's it's still uh, still it's it's one of my favorite uh, comedies of all time, uh, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure that it's going to move uh, off of the top five list.
1: Um, it, yeah, I'll be same. very surprised if it does. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's I think it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. It's such a good show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: because it's not just the comedy of it, and there's so much heart. And uh, I don't know if it's it's the Canadian shows in general, because I had similar experience with Kim Convenience, Kim's Convenience. Who Mm. unfortunately ended their run. Uh, What's happening, Canada? You took two of my favorite shows off the air. What is Uh, going on? Um, (laughs) But with both of them, there's so much heart. There's there's warmth. There's genuine kind of affection for the people within it, and it's really really funny. On top of it, Uh, Mm. and that was just that rare combination of the acceptance of each other in the pretend society that we wish we were a part of. it's just that world that I miss, and I and I had it with Kim's, and I had it with Schitt's Creek, and I I miss it elsewhere.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's what watching Schitt's Creek it is like watching a kinder, nicer version of yeah. the world we live. In. It's like I wish I could live in this world. Even and I think that's a testament too to those performances where those actors I think on that cast are so brilliant, where they all walk that line so brilliantly between being, um, you know, these sort of over the top, real character characters. Like if you met Moira Rose in real life, you'd be like, whoa. Um, but then at the same time, they ground them in this really like beautiful humanity where you never for a second doubt that these people are real and they have real feelings and real concerns. And I think that's where it's a real testament to like how, how, those, how those actors and how the show is directed and, directed and, directed and written. And written. You
0: yeah, I, I want more Shits Creek. I want Schitt's Creek, the movie. So uh, if anybody uh, is watching or listening, please do it, seriously.
1: Yes. yes. Or give Alexis a spinoff. I would watch Alexis in the City, like Shits Creek meets Gossip Girl. I would watch her start so. her PR firm in Manhattan.
0: I think so. That's a great idea. I'm on board. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I would even watch, uh, you know, if they ever, which they won't, I would even watch the Crow movies with, with Moira. That would be fun. <sighs> I, I would want to see that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: that would be, oh my God, her, just that costume alone. That would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that was enough. Um, going off of that, and again, everybody should watch Quarantine Time. It's really, really uh, funny, and it's mm-hmm. uh, quirky, and you you know, will remember all of the characters that you love so much uh, right there mm-hmm. in the few minutes that uh, that Michael does per episode. So definitely watch it. Um, but going going kind of outside of uh, Schitt's Creek and catching people up who are not familiar with your work, because uh, mm-hmm. you've done, you know, a lot of theater, you've done uh, very interesting things. Uh, catch us up. You know, uh, I know you started acting early, but why acting? You know, what was it that really got you started on this path as opposed to other things that you could have done? Um, I f-
1: Well, as a kid, I think it was, I I had ADD and really high needs for attention. Also, sorry, speaking of attention, I don't know if you can hear this, I'm staying with my parents this week I'm visiting and their dog is right outside my door. And he's like, he doesn't like it when he's locked out of places and he's a 200 pound oh. Great Dane. So if you oh. hear any outside noises, I'm so sorry. It's a very frustrated Great Dane.
0: So life imitating art, uh, you know, the next door to where you are, are your parents. I like that.
1: Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm in my childhood room right now where I've spent much of this quarantine. Um, but yeah, I, I started when I was young. I think I, I was super hyperactive. I had ADD. My parents were always looking for activities for me to do. And um, my mom grew up just outside New York City and saw a lot of theater. My dad was a musician starting when he was a kid and played in rock and roll bands. So we went to see theater a lot. And I remember when I was little, they took us to see Beauty and the Beast up in Toronto. And I think I was like six maybe and walked out of that show. And I was like, one day, that's what I want to do. I wanted to be the candlestick. I remember I was like, I want to be that French candlestick guy. Who and does it? right, Lumiere's the best. Um, yeah. So my mom was like, cool. And luckily I grew up in Syracuse, New York, where there's loads of regional theater and good theater. And so she took my sister and I to audition for a production of The King and I that was happening. And um, we both got into the show. My sister hated it. I loved it. Um, I had one little moment where I got a laugh, which the little six-year-old me was like, that was the greatest feeling on earth. And um, so from there, I was hooked and my parents were very excited because they got me into singing lessons and dance lessons. And I was always auditioning or rehearsing. So I was busy. Um, And uh, it was just this perfect outlet for all of my energy as a kid. And um, yeah, I I always played sports and did other things. But that was sort of the constant because I was always auditioning or working on shows.
0: Yeah. And then uh, in terms of a career, because you know, all of us, including the great Dane, uh, that's uh, trying to be I'm a part so of the I'm so sorry if you
1: can hear him. <laughs> no, don't, he just don't realized I shut my door.
0: <laughs> no, don't worry about it. And if, if you wanna uh, bring him in, that's that's fine too. Um, uh-huh. In terms of the career, right, because acting is no uh, no cakewalk. Uh, no, acting uh, is something that we love doing, but as an industry and a, uh, you know, work-wise, uh, income-wise, it's, uh, it's a very difficult thing to do. Did your yeah. parents Ever, especially your dad being a musician, did they ever say, Hey, Michael, you 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 know, this is great as something you do. You may not want to do this for work.
1: Um no, fortunately. <laughs> my parents, I think because I had been doing it for by the time it, it came time to look at colleges and apply to schools, there was no question. I never even remember sitting down with my parents to say, you know, I think okay. I want to study theater. They were like, cool, so we're gonna start looking at drama schools. Um, And luckily, because my dad, you know, like I said, was a musician, played rock and roll all through high school, college. He was a viola major, actually, in college and then (laughs) got in a bad car accident and ripped up his hand. And so he couldn't play. His major was viola. And then he supported himself playing rock and roll in the evenings and he couldn't play either. Um, So he ended up going to law school and becoming a lawyer. And he's a he's a fantastic lawyer. But he I think part of him really missed doing that and kind of having to give up on that dream. And um, and then my mom always loved theater. And luckily for them both, I have an older sister who's an engineer. So they were like, you know what? One of our kids will put us into a nice home. She'll always have an income. She'll take care of all of us. And uh, so they were like, no, go follow your dreams. And they've always been really supportive of it.
0: No, that's that's very nice. And uh, as you were saying about drama school, somewhere in there is my daughter crying because we're not letting her go to drama school.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I, you're probably much more sensible. Because like you said, it's, it's really not an easy career path.
0: Uh, in my perspective of it, and again, I'm, I'm an actor as well. I, I don't do this full time, unless mm-hmm. there's a show that wants to pick me up, which I'm happy to quit my other jobs. But <laughs> um, it, I, I just found that having a, a bachelor's a BFA, having an MFA, those are in, enormously important experiences but it doesn't translate necessarily into work. I've seen mm-hmm. people who are uh, very successful and they've just taken classes on the side and it, uh, they have the talent It clicks uh-huh. it's the right opportunity at the right time and it works. So for her, basically what we're telling her is that continue doing theater as she does in high school right now, do all mm-hmm. of these things, enjoy the heck out of it. Uh, but when you're going to school, you're going to go to school for marketing communication for other things continue doing theater on the side. If uh, mm-hmm. things work out and I got her an agent, if things happen naturally, they do. But having that, you know, spending four years specifically doing, uh, you know, drama school, that's probably not the path that we're gonna do. Um,
1: Yeah, and that's fair. Like uh, a really good friend of mine was a design major. She did graphic design and then was a dance minor. And um, it's, I think, worked out very well for her because now she's a freelance graphic designer and that's what pays the bills mm-hmm. for the most part but she can work from home so when she books a show she can do both and um it seems like it's working quite well for i wish i had been that sensible <laughs> um, although to be well, fair i loved drama school i mean how often in your life yeah. do you get to spend four years you know rolling around in pajamas and crying a lot it's great I,
0: I wish yeah that that would have been fun and then you get a chance to do that uh in uh in london uh, and getting your MMI. yes
1: i yeah play. and i appreciate i think i I loved grad school just because after getting a bachelor's and then spending, you know, a good chunk of time, a few years working and then also having day jobs and survival jobs, being able to go back to school and just focus on acting was such a treat. Um, it was wonderful. I was like, wait, I don't have to go wait tables tonight. I can just go home and learn my lines. This is amazing.
0: No. But then does does it put you in a place where you're like, uh, then you go back to the reality of it and having about 15 minutes uh, before the audition where you have to learn your lines and you're like, hey, I'm not used to this anymore. I wanted to go back to the way it was. Yeah.
1: It definitely was a transition. It was, yeah, because I mean, also I was living in, Lo- I went to grad school in London and studied Shakespeare and it was it was magical. So yeah, adjusting back to real life was, it, it took a minute. It was so sad having to be a, a responsible adult again-ish. Yeah, but <laughs>
0: What, what people, uh, you know, the, the sensible people that I was uh, representing a part of myself being that way, uh, uh-huh. what they may be missing is that you having the opportunity to really do the BFA and the MFA and spend so much time using those uh, muscles, that mm-hmm. allows you to understand yourself fully. And if we look at life as an exploration of who we are and mm-hmm. understanding ourselves better and then determining what our path is... Uh, and how we go about getting there, this is uh, an enormous uh, opportunity to really get to that point, just Mm -hmm. by immersing yourself in those experiences, which most people don't get a
1: chance to. Oh, for sure. And I mean, drama school in general, it's so therapeutic. I mean, a lot of acting classes are just like group therapy. Um, (laughs) Because, you know, when you're playing a character, you have to really know who you are, because you're the instrument. So you have to know what you bring naturally to the part. And I found even like movement classes very therapeutic where you'd like, you know, they'd all different kinds of movement exercises and voice exercises. You know, you go home that night, you're like, whoa, I had a personal breakthrough today too. Turns out I had a lot of anxiety around daisies. Who knew? <laughs> or like whatever. I don't know why I just thought daisies. I love daisies. They don't cause me anxiety at all. Let's dive into that. Sure. We Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: No, we're not good. Yeah. Um, but that's that's very cool. Uh, again, I, I I definitely am jealous of uh, jealous bad word. I'm envious of mm-hmm. the opportunity to really kind of spend a long time doing that. Uh, you know, I, I get a chance to take lots of classes and workshops, and that's that's how I went in and out of uh, the experiences that you're talking about. But movement specifically, I agree with you. We uh, we did a Meisner combined with uh, movement, and there was a bunch of things that to outsiders would look completely weird and wacky. And for Mm -hmm. me, it was the most freeing experience I've ever had.
1: Oh, I'm sure, I'll never forget. When I was in London, one of my favorites was our movement teacher would put on a piece of music that was maybe like a minute and a half long and you closed your eyes and everybody formed a circle around you and you went one at a time. And he put on the music and with your eyes closed, you would just move to it and like follow whatever images are in your head. And then the circle would kind of shift to make sure you didn't like sprint into a wall. You know, they would keep you safe. But oh, it was like, talk about liberating. I just, I'll never forget that exercise. It was so fun. Yeah,
0: viewpoints, all of that stuff is just oh, yeah. awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember my daughter My daughter did a lot of dance. And then when she did contemporary, looking at that, I'm like, you know what? I don't love it because it's, it's not the most aesthetically pleasing uh, type of uh, dance. Mm-hmm. But I love that they have a chance to really kind of go in and explore. And that's what it's about. So it reminded me of some of the acting exercises that we're uh, going through. So from mm-hmm. that perspective, I found it very, very interesting.
1: Nice. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I, I totally see that. Yeah. Uh,
0: although I agree with you. Tap is the most fun of
1: all of the dances. Tap! tap. I yeah. love tap. Well, when I was a kid, so I'm not flexible at all. And I never have been. And I have terrible core strings. So when it comes to things like ballet and things, I'm terrible at ballet. But tap, I could always do. Um, I love tap dancing. And even now, like I'm that, you know, obnoxious person in the checkout line who like, you know, when you're waiting online and I would sort of like board tap dance to myself while I'm standing there. It's like, yeah, um, it passes why the time. It's like twiddling your thumbs, but you do time steps.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, tap tap is awesome. I, I grew yeah. up on musicals, so, you know, Gene Kelly, like like uh, yourself, yeah. uh, I mean, how, how how does one not want to dance and tap and uh, saying it's it's foreign yeah. to me of why people don't love musicals? Oh, yeah. Uh, and by the way, as I'm looking at you and watch this video when we're done with it because this is a really kind of a freaky thing. Anybody watching this tell me if I'm uh weird? Well, I know that, but uh, tell me if I'm wrong. So looking over your uh, right shoulder, like when we're looking at the door, like mm-hmm. there is a face that uh, is is in that door. so the the way that kind of the wood in uh, really? the shadows, there is a face that's coming out of that wall. And it's really spooky. Oh,
1: God. I mean, this is a really old house. It's quite possible there's just like a ghost behind me who never had their 15 minutes, and this is how they're getting it. They're like, I'm famous now.
0: Well, listen, (laughs) if you were you know, hello, hello. Uh, Welcome, welcome to the show. But after you watch it, please let me know if you're seeing it too. Because if I'm the only one that's seeing it, then that's even worse.
1: Then that means it's, it's favoring if this ghost. Is it's coming for you? It's like hello. Uh,
0: well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so stay within your own confines. I respect you, but uh, you know, I'll have my own space. Anyway, okay. going back to uh, to reality. Um, <laughs> um, I see. I almost went into the whole kind of uh, way that Moira speaks. You're yeah, pretty,
1: pretty went... good the reality. there's yeah. the <laughs> specter looming behind me. <laughs>
0: You'll see it. You'll see it uh, once we're done. Anyway, um, I want to talk to you about casting a little bit because you've done uh, acting and then you've done casting. And we'll get into acting in a a few minutes and talk about your movie. (laughs) But um, casting. Yeah, there's the dog. Hello. Uh, I'm I'm surprised mine hasn't said anything because, you know, mine is, I think, on the first floor. So uh, he usually makes a sound.
1: Uh, well, usually he's really quiet. He's all kerfuffled because also the boiler in our house broke and the guys downstairs fixing it. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> don't worry at all. Uh,
0: this is again why we're doing things virtually because it, it allows people to see the reality. It's not a you know studio with perfect lighting, with uh, you know no sound coming from the outside. I think it just adds to the ambiance of it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I have ghosts and barking dogs. This is this is I real mean- life. Listen.
0: You come prepared. You come with a whole thing, oh. a
1: <laughs> full ensemble. The marching band couldn't make it, unfortunately, but everybody else showed up.
0: Next time, bring Next a marching time.
1: band. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, it would be actually fun to see Moira with the marching band.
1: I can come oh, <laughs> she'd love that. <laughs> <laughs> Going back um, to
0: casting. Yeah. Um, so you've uh, you've done uh, casting on a lot of uh, fun projects, you know, NCIS uh, and some of the other ones. Uh, what did you find as an actor uh and then as a person so two-part question mm-hmm. so as an actor what did you find uh being on the other side on the casting how did that improve your own uh, your own acting ability
1: um oh in in many different ways i loved casting and actually to say like when you're talking about you know being sensible part of the reason i did casting was because i did want to have sort of a parallel career mm-hmm. and it would me skills that I wouldn't normally have, you know, like admin skills, admin admin skills. skills. Um, um, and uh And yeah, I first when I interned on CSI Miami because um, I went to Boston University for undergrad, and luckily they had this sort of ninth semester you could do with CBS to learn about the industry. And after, because most drama schools, they just teach you about acting and they don't teach you much about, much about what the realities of the business are. And um, so yeah, so I worked on CSI Miami and, and just really liked casting actually. Um, but yeah, as an actor, in many ways, I learned a lot about how you should behave when you walk into a room. You know, every casting director is different. They have different styles. Like I worked for one who did not want you to touch her. Because so if you think about it, over the course of a day, it's a lot of actors. They all mm-hmm. shake your hands, a lot of germs. Um, mm-hmm. So signs everywhere that were like, Susie is not a handshaker. Um, Like, so, you know, just walking in and, you know, maybe don't touch the casting director. But the biggest thing I learned was just how much they root for you, you know? Because I think before that, I was really afraid of casting directors. It was very intimidating to go into an audition. And I get pretty bad stage fright as it is. Um, So I was always, you know, a little clamshell of nervousness. Um But what I learned being on the other side was the only person who wants you to succeed more than you is them. Um because they only can see so many actors in a day and the best problem they can have is having too many excellent choices. Um, The worst is when you come out of a full day of casting session and you have like three people that actually worked out and it's like oh we have to do another day of this and usually you're really crunched for time. So that was sort of the biggest thing is they're like they're really your ally and they're really rooting for you. Um, And also you know to be as obviously to be as prepared as possible which everybody says but like Really like know your lines, know your beats. Um, so then hopefully you only you get it all done in one take and then they can keep Hopefully they don't have to give you much direction and um and to not take it person not to take it as a bad thing where they're like, Nope, that was perfect, you can go. Most actors are like, If I didn't get an adjustment, I failed and it's like, No, no, no. Sometimes if you didn't get an adjustment, you just hit it out of the park at you know, on the first try and we're running an hour behind schedule. So go. <laughs> um, you did it. So I think a lot of it just so after working casting and seeing the other side, a lot of anxieties I had just sort of lifted. Um, it sort of frees you up a little bit, which meant that when I went into auditions, I just gave better performances because I was more relaxed. Yeah. Um, and then
0: you get a chance to do Alexis, and then you lend it a film. which uh, And is then you do Alexis. Recently.
1: And that's one of the times when you have <laughs> no time to prepare, and you just gut instinct yeah. make a big choice and go for it. And luckily, your director has a good sense of humor. <laughs> uh-
0: and a lot of times they do, and that's the whole part, right? People, uh, it's it's not that I have a whole lot of projects behind me, but I've talked to a lot of people. And you get the sense that with casting, there is a point that actors reach. And I even have a T-shirt uh, that uh, represents that point, and it says, we're allowed to swear on the show, and it says, fuck it, uh, because that's the point. Once they get to that point, uh, then they relax and they make choices and they stop worrying about what somebody else is asking them to do, and they just go with their instinct and they go with the tools that they have. And then they give much better performances and they start booking. Like every actor that I talk to reaches that point and then they start booking. It's kind of that next step uh, in order for you to go through it, there is the mental block.
1: So it's
0: it's an interesting process.
1: Uh, (laughs) It definitely is.
0: And as a person, uh, the, the second part of that question, uh, by the way, thank you for correcting me. Uh, it was uh, CSI, not NCIS. My oh, there's so says- many
1: versions of CSI out there. Very easy to mix them all up. We probably did an NCIS crossover at some point. <laughs> oh,
0: there you go. Nice save, Michael. So. And thank you very much for being kind. Uh,
1: uh-huh.
0: And as a, as a person, um, being on the, uh, I almost said casting couch, but that's a whole different conversation.
1: Well, um, yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> being being on, the, on the side of uh, casting, did that change anything with you uh, within you as a person?
1: Yes, actually. Um, it definitely was a big confidence booster for me, um, I, which is something I've always struggled with. Um, and it's such a high-pressure, high-stress job. And especially at one point, I was working for Melissa Delizia, who was just nominated for, she's been nominated this year for every, um, you know, casting award for Drunk History, um, which we actually did work on together. And um, at one point we were doing three TV shows and it was just the two of us. And um, luckily Melissa is incredible. She's also a very dear friend, but it was so like, we're working 15 hour days, you know, every day, trying to get everything done. And coming out of those days, I, I felt, I was like, look at me go. I never thought I was very, good you know i'm not tech savvy i was like i'm an actor but i don't know how smart i am it was just one of those experiences where i came out of with this amazing sense of pride and self i was like you know with her i was like look what we just accomplished i would watch those episodes and be like we did that we got those actors on that show um maybe i am good at i'm more than just you know a big eyebrows and comedic timing you know i can do other things and um so when it's come to you know my day jobs and even in life as far as being assertive you know and and sort of um having you know that strong sense of self i feel like working and casting in those times really helped establish that it really helped create a stronger give me a stronger backbone i guess you could say
0: no and that's important thank you for sharing that because it is that ability to go through adversity come out the other side really allows you to understand what it is that you can do and uh, grow from there. So it is It is mm-hmm. a formative experience, and that's one yeah. of the reasons why I was because um, casting is tough. Uh, oh my
1: God, huge, yeah. You huge so hours, many places. in the air.
0: Yeah, so much pressure. It's it's very difficult. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I've worked and I've spoken to a lot of casting uh, directors, uh, and I have a lot of respect for them. They all cannot agree on the backdrop that you should have uh, for your self-tape. Uh, mm-hmm. None of them. <laughs> None of them can agree on that.
1: You know what though, with self-tapes, I mean, I again, every casting director is different, but at least the ones I worked for, again, actually, I will say I'm really lucky. The casting directors I've worked for, you know, Melissa Delizzi, I worked with the most, but also Susie Ferris In New York, I worked for Jim Carnahan. Um, A lot of them were, they're real actor champions, and Mm -hmm. like Melissa was an actor before she was a casting director, And a lot of them are like, you know what? I almost don't care what your background looks like. If you're well lit and I can hear you and you give a great performance, that's what I care about. Um, As far as the clean background, a lot of that's more for like the executives or people like that who aren't gonna look at it with more of an artistic brain or looking at it much more from a producer standpoint. Um, But a lot of them were like, like, I remember one young woman who put herself on tape for a series regular for a show we were casting and the only quiet place she had in her apartment was her closet. And so she taped it literally holding her phone up selfie style in her closet because that was the best she could do. She ended up getting to one of the top five choices for the part. So, you know, obviously as perfect, you know, if you have a beautiful background and you look great and your lighting's perfect, it can only help you. But at the end of the day, your performance is really what matters most.
0: I agree. I agree. Absolutely. I just find it funny because anytime I interview casting directors, it's one of the questions that I ask them. And it's hilarious uh, to hear everybody give a different answer.
1: Oh, I'm sure. And I'm sure there's some that just it's personal preference. They're like, it yeah. makes me crazy when I can see two shadows behind you. You know, like I, I know I know of an older casting director. I don't think she's around anymore, but she I couldn't stand facial moles or freckles um and that was just like a pet peeve of hers she was like if you had a lot of freckles or a tough mole but she would it was so distracting to her um so like we would tell actors in advance we're like if you have a big freckle like maybe put on some cover-up just because it it's one less thing you have to worry about
0: okay so, uh we yeah,
1: human the, yeah
0: I, I just i just went into mike myers and the mole m- 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 <laughs> uh moment Probably yeah that's that's what popped into my brain immediately but that's that's interesting you never know kind of what uh what things you're dealing with with yeah. uh, with the person on the other side Yeah. Uh, let's let's talk about Milkwater. So it's Great. coming out soon. We know mm-hmm. how you got the role which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh but what what else can you tell us about the film?
1: Milkwater. It's a lovely 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 little movie. Um it's my first movie. I'm very excited cuz before that I'd always done theater. Um I know uh it's it stars Molly Bernard from TV's younger um and she's she's wonderful. She plays this young woman named Milo who is in her mid thirties and she's having that sort of crisis that I think I'm having a lot of us have um, where she's looking around and all of her friends are adulting much better than she is. They're either married or having babies or they have more stable jobs and she's still sort of figuring out who she is and So rather rashly, she agrees to be a surrogate for this older gay man that she meets in a bar, played by Patrick Breen, who I love from Galaxy. Um, Oh, why am I, my brain just stopped. Anyway, amazing actor. and she agrees to be surrogate for him, thinking that sort of doing this big, big thing will give her purpose and she'll find purpose over the course of this. And so, yeah, we, we follow her over the course of the pregnancy and do see how it changes her as a person, how it changes her relationships with her friends around her. And, of course, her relationship with him, which becomes very complex because um, all he wants is a baby. And she's like this is she's trying to grow. <laughs> um So it's a very interesting movie and you often don't see i think the the story of this of you know a surrogacy told from the point of view of the young woman um so it's great and so i play uh one of her best friend's boyfriends um so her best friend is played by robin de jesus who's you know big tony winning or tony nominated actor brilliant actor who i'd been a fan of for a long time so i was very excited i got to play opposite him um and my part originally was just tinder ted who was meant to be like maybe in one scene, um, he was like his Tinder date for one scene. But then I got on set and um, Morgan, uh, our director and who wrote the film, she's she's wonderful. She thought I was really funny and she let me improv my exit from the scene over and over again. And so before you know it, Teddy just started, ended up being in more and more and more of the movie as it went on. Um, so That's that was kind curious. of a, it was great. Yeah, it was such a welcome surprise. Um, yeah, and so it's great, he's sort of, became this little sort of outside voice of reason for them. Because, of course, you know, Robin is sort of her, you know, devil's advocate friend. And so they'll be bickering. And I'm just sort of on the outside being like, hey, so have you thought about this? Or like, but she's nice. You know, he's a lot like Ted on Schitt's Creek, where he's just sort of wide-eyed and sweet and just kind of happy to be there. Um, Except he wears much shorter shorts and crop tops a lot. So... There was a joke on set because a lot of my scenes, it's like I'm coming out of like we've just, you know, coming out of his bedroom or whatever. And I spent yeah. a lot of the movie either in Shorty Shorts or in just briefs. And the crew was like, do you own pants? Like, I swear I do. There's somewhere wardrobe took them. I don't know where they are. But, That's hilarious because yeah.
0: they, my my only bedroom scene that I ever had uh, was uh, where they were just shooting kind of uh, from here up. Mm-hmm. So whatever is under the blanket, nobody told you. I was wearing
1: sweatpants. Well, so, well, and that's was, what we said yeah. when we watched, we did a screening of it. And you can't act pretty much. I'm always shot from the waist up. And I was like, I could have been wearing pants that entire time. That? Yeah. And even yeah. like we all went out after and one of the crew guys, he was like, I spent so much of that movie like crouched down next to you. And he was like, I saw so much of your legs and you could have been wearing pants. I was like, I know. Um, but
0: yeah. He'll, he'll treasure that experience forever. Right. We will um, always
1: have that special kind of friendship now.
0: Yeah. Isn't that funny, by the way, going back to your very first role where you were, uh, uh, you know, in The King and I, where mm-hmm. you were basically looking up people's scripts. So I
1: think yes, comes around. It so, does. Yeah. There's a theme here.
0: I think so. Um, there was another theme that, that came to mind, but uh, now, yes. The other theme is, Look at the way that you auditioned for the film, right? So you auditioned, uh, making a big choice, having fun, and you got it. You got it as a small part. You came on and you started improving. You were being yourself. You were funny. They gave you more opportunities and it grew from there. So mm-hmm. the theme is be yourself and good things will happen. Just allow yourself to come through. And uh, more often than not, it's going to work out for the benefit.
1: Oh, for sure. I think that's so true. And have fun. You know, I think, like you said, sort of like the t-shirt, the fuck it t-shirt. That was, you know, one of those auditions where it was a last minute audition and I was running between one day job to the other. I had no time to prepare. So I was like, I'm just gonna make a big choice and have a good time with this because I, I don't know, I'm just gonna have fun, you know? And then I got on set and I was with Robin who I had liked for, you know, had admired for a long time and he was so nice and everyone on set was lovely and Molly was lovely. And so they set this tone of just fun. And so we all, and that's when I was like walking off, you know, sort of improving to her as I went. And that's what we all just sort of, that's everyone on set was just sort of free to try things and experiment and have a good time. And um, I think that was, you're right. I think that's the key when you can sort of let yourself, you know, take that pressure off and have a good time. Good things happen
0: and then you decided to do that during the quarantine and uh, what started out as a little joke of I can do some voices, uh, now has a lot of views including the great Catherine O'Hara who yes. looked at it and liked it and that's uh, very, very cool.
1: I That still blows my mind because I've been a fan of Mizohara's. Um, uh, it feels weird to be like Catherine's, um, but I've been a fan of her since well before *Shit's Creek*. You know, I I grew right. up watching you know the Christopher Guest films and obviously *Home Alone*, and I love like classic comedy. Yes, um, so I grew up watching you know Carol Burnett and things like that. So as soon as I discovered SCTV, I mean, talk about how Not many about, you know binges you know. I did of watching right. their sketches. So the fact that she saw these videos and. Not just you know saw them and liked them, but then she talked about it in an interview, and she was like, "He's really funny. His writing is really funny." And oh my god, you know, it's like Einstein calling you up and being like, "You know, you're really good at math." You know, she's, you know, because she's I think one of the absolute greats at what she does.
0: She is. She's yeah immensely. I mean, to the to the fact that a lot of people don't recognize her and she's great, and that they've seen in Home Alone because she's a different character then they um, don't understand how that person is this person because you're a great actress.
1: That's yeah. Fine. That's I've had so many people when I, I actually did one where it was like, you know, quarantine time. And the theme was where David finally watches home alone for the first time. And he's like, oh, is that movie I thought... based on me? And I had this whole premise that they left him alone once when they went to Paris and, you know, and Alexis is like, come down, David, like who hasn't been beset upon by thieves while they were left alone in a mansion? Like, you know, to her, that's just normal. And uh, and people were like, wait, the mom from Schitt's Creek is the mom from Home Alone? And it's like, yes. And same with Beetlejuice, where I did a Beetlejuice one for Halloween and people were like, wait, it's the same actress? And it's like, yeah, but that goes to show how good she is that you can't even tell.
0: She's amazing. Uh, yeah. Catherine, if you're watching this, thank
1: you. Uh, thank
0: you for everything. You're, yes. you're amazing.
1: Yeah, um, but you're right with the sort of like, fuck it, pal. I had never really created anything. I wasn't really a writer. I'd done improv, but not so much sketch. And when I started this, it's because we were in quarantine and I was like, there's nothing to do. Um, my roommate has a wig sitting at the bottom of his closet. It's a little busted, but whatever. Let me plop it on my head and I'll make a video and improv and just see what happens. And the second one got thousands of views. And so I was like, okay, this is a thing now. But yeah, I that it was scary. But over the course of this also was like, again, talk about a confidence booster. I was like, oh, look at that. I can create my own work, which I never thought I was capable of. Um, So it's been this wonderful learning experience. And that's what a lot of people, they're like, what advice do you have for young actors? It's like, go for it. I spent 12 years as a professional actor being terrified that I could write something for myself or create my own thing. And it's like, look at it. It took me until I was in my 30s to realize it, but you can. You have to fling fling you know whatever at the wall and see what sticks yeah
0: just have fun right because yeah yeah, you didn't uh, have the confidence and then you did a great job at casting you didn't have confidence and then you did a great job at an audition that led to your first movie and it continues on and on just be yourself and Mm -hmm. believe in yourself and do things that make you happy because it comes across If people know that you're happy, they're gonna be happy and they're gonna like whatever you're doing and they're gonna resonate with it because we are very simple animals. We Mm -hmm. resonate with what resonates with us. And that's as simple as it gets. And if you are just putting something on and people don't resonate with it, it's not gonna work.
1: Yeah, and that's what I've talked to a lot of people. They have asked me about social media and like I said, I'm not tech savvy. I know very little about social media. This all happened purely on accident. But what I think resonated with people is that, yes, I'm doing a parody of characters that other people have created, but for the most part, the words that I write are mine. And a lot of them are coming from very genuine places where there were times in quarantine where I was feeling very sad. And so I was like, how do I address that? But keep everything positive. How do I create a positive message out of this? So you're right, a lot of these things were coming from very genuine, very honest places that were coming from me. And I think people can sense it, as opposed to trying to sort of shoehorn myself into a trend that was going on on TikTok or a trend that was on Reddit, which I I barely know what Reddit is. But, um, you know, it was like, whether I get 10 views or 10 million views, for me, what I like is that everything is coming from a very genuine, very honest place. And you're right, I think people can totally sense it. And that's why friends yeah. of mine who I've met on who are TikTokers or whatever, a lot of them, that's what I found with them, too. The, they're, they are most successful when they're doing things that are coming from a very honest place that's true to them, yeah. so. Uh,
0: Completely agree with you, and that's this is a great stopping point because it's the great kind of ending of where we all need to strive, of being ourselves, being genuine, and being kind uh, to others, yeah. and uh, we, we can all use a lot more of it of nowadays.
1: Yeah, find the positivity. It's there.
0: There you go. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Michael. I really appreciate it. It was uh, great chatting with you. I'm a subscriber. I'm going to continue watching and everybody should do the same right Thank below. you. Yeah. Best of luck at uh, with your movie when it comes out. I know it's coming out at the end of uh, April. So Yes, we'll it will tuned.
1: be streaming one of the major platforms. I just don't know which one yet, but one of them. <laughs>
0: sure. Well, stay cool. tuned and I'm sure you'll find out. Very, yes. very cool. And uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in to another episode of Let's Dive In. Uh, You know how much we enjoy doing this, and we hope you enjoy watching it just as much. Thank you.